I'm calling today, we've got it all wrong. That's the name of the message. The name of the message is, we've gotten it all wrong. And um, I, believe it, I believe, hopefully, um, it'll be impacting to you. I was reading somebody's Christmas card uh, that, that they sent. It's amazing how year by year, less and less Christmas cards. I think it's just because everybody sees family pictures all the time and doesn't want to do that. You know, they see them online, but less and less Christmas cards. I get worried when I get one now because I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, did they not think I sent them one? By the way, I don't send Christmas cards. So if you didn't get one, don't be mad at me, okay? Um, that, but um, in reading this Christmas card, uh, this individual is writing about, you know, the year 2020 and what it's been for his and his, his and his family through it. And you guys know that we have 11 days left in this year right now. 11 days left in 2020. And, uh, yeah, I hear some thank you, Jesus, right? I, I don't think you say that out of jest. I actually think you mean that. It's interesting where we are right now, December 20th, because there's this interior hope. Everybody say hope. There's this interior hope, and this is what the Christmas card was talking about, that, um, that many of us are clinging to this hope that there is no way that 2021 will be like 2020. And it's amazing how much fuel there is in that hope. Like hope is something really, really powerful, isn't it? It's powerful. Hope is powerful. I think it's the reason a lot of your butts are in the seats right now. I think you come to church... Um, a lot of you come to church with hope. Hope that maybe the Lord will speak to you differently than he has before. Hope that actual change might occur in you. Like you come to church hoping that maybe even the message that's spoken or one of the songs that's sung, something will happen during this, this two and a half hour or two hour period that, that will actually bring about change in you. By the way, on the flip side of things, um, isn't it interesting what happens when you don't have hope? Like when you don't have hope that something will change, a lot of us, myself included, tend to withdraw and quit on something, right? Like if we, 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 we're in a marriage and this person continues to do thing after thing after thing and there seems to be no hope for change, what happens? Then you find that's a lot of the time where there's not any animosity, but there just becomes this dull um, reservation to the fact that nothing's ever going to change. I've heard people say this, well, I'll always be sick. Or even today, I was talking with Justin McKinnon early in the morning of the service, and he said, um, yeah, you remember that sermon that you talked about where you say it is what it is? Like there's this, weird, there's this weird thing that happens when you and me lose hope. Every year um, for a sports fan, we always, sports fans wait for in the middle of the season, there's a trading deadline. And there's this weird thing that happens at the trading deadline that if your season and your team stinks all the way up into, that pro up into that time, there's this hope that there might be this blockbuster trade that never happens, by the way, and your team will automatically go from worst to first just because they traded for Tom Brady, which never happened. And then you're interested in it and you're hopeful for that day, and then when nothing happens, you resign to the fact, hey, my team stinks. Yes, I'm just talking from the heart there, right? Full transparency this morning for you. This sermon is to go after those that have plateaued in your walk with the Lord. This sermon is, is for those who, in some way, shape, or form, and, and there's different forms there, you've given up a little bit this year in your walk with Jesus. This sermon is for those who really don't have hope 
for change. It's really weird, though, that you don't, you've given up hope for change with your walk with the Lord is that if you take a 35,000 view of yourself and you would see, um, you know what, my, my family life is pretty good. My work life, yeah, it's, it's solid. My, my uh, financial life is good. My health life is good. But when it comes to the spiritual life, a lot of you have plateaued, have given up hope. Right? There's this unsettling for Christians that are going through this. There's some discontentment in your walk. The thing is, is that if you really be honest with yourself, you're honest with me, and you're honest with the Lord, is that it's bleeding over into these other areas. But here's the problem that I want to throw out to you today. The idea that the, that the, the marriage life is good or the health life is good, the physical life, the financial life, all these different things, all these different compartments. The truth is, is I don't believe that we were ever meant to have compartments once we become a new creation. I don't. God is not interested in your job life. He's not interested in your, in your spiritual life. He's not interested in your sex life. He's not interested in your health life. He's interested in your life in total. Okay? An amazing book that a lot of the leadership here at the church has read is a, is a book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. I want you to see this quote from here. Mere Christianity. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to what? To kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut a branch off here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. Hand over the natural self all the desires which you think innocent as well as the ones you think wicked. That's huge for a lot of people. The whole outfit, I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself, my own, shall become yours. The title of the message is, We've Gotten It All Wrong. Because the reality of the situation for some, so many of us is that we have, we have turned our spiritual life and we've, we've compartmentalized these aspects of our life so much that we've confused them in our priority scale while we chase, and don't, please don't push back on me because it's the truth, while we chase the American dream. Okay? And so what we're doing, guys, is we're swinging and missing while we're compartmentalizing because the truth is, is we have no ability to keep up with the Joneses next to us. And on the flip side, those that have Jesus Christ inside living in them have this sense of exhaustion, this sense of fatigue. Why? Because the spirit man inside you, as you're chasing everything else, is actually groaning, look at me, for something more. Okay? This is not new at all. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 and 21 in the message say this, Paul talking to his church says this, Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Say completely. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to what? 
impress God. There's some people in this room right now that you are, have fatigue of trying to impress God. There is. Well, wait a minute, Jay. Aren't we supposed to do that as Christians? Let's go on. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going back on that now. It is, not, it, is it not clear to you to not go back to that? And then in, in Matthew chapter 11, we kind of see this where Jesus digs just a little bit deeper on a verse that we all know, but in the message, it says it so differently. Uh, Matthew chapter 11 says, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of my grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So I have to ask this question now. To a church that I love so very much. As of December 20th, 2020, are you right now, you right now, the person that God has created you to be? Be honest with yourself. Are you right now on December 20th, 2020, are you the person that God's created you to be? I don't mean that in any guilt way or with any pressure. I want to take it a step further. What does that person look like specifically to you? Luke Good, stand up real quick. Dana, stand up. Eli, stand up. Let's see, uh, Jeff, stand up. James, stand up. Hannah, stand up. Laura, would you stand up? These are just random people that I just kind of looked around and saw. There's six people. I asked a question to all of us, and the question was, are you currently, right now in 2020, the person that God has created you to be? And the second question I asked is, what does that person look like specifically to you? What I want you to understand, and what is so important as you see, is these six people in completely different walks of life, what they are supposed to be in and with Christ, dancing and, and, and utilizing this verse as their governor and as their compass, looks way different than from each other. And what we've done in the church is we've decided that, hey, listen, Luke, you need to look like me to actually be a real Christian. And that is where we're wrong. Because all these six have different things that have happened in their life that they could talk to, different backgrounds, different upbringings, right? Different experiences with Jesus that they could testify to that don't look the same. And so where the fatigue has mostly come in for us is we've looked at individuals that we admire, that we respect, that we trust, that we see God's doing something, and we say, let me be them. And what God's saying is, no, no, I want you to get away with me, and I'll teach you what it truly is to live in me. Understand? You guys sit down. Thanks. This is, this is super, super important to me. Because I will say this, regardless of your current circumstances, and this is big, guys, regardless of your current circumstances, if you are living a life that is his, that is in Christ, that's free, that's completely identifying with him, if you truly are doing that, then listen to me. No matter what the circumstances are, you are exactly where, I believe this with all my heart, you're exactly where God wants you to be. And you, every, your every day is filled with potential for your transformation and growth. 
Well, Jay, you don't know what I'm going through. You're right, I don't. But I know this, no matter how dark it is, no matter how light it is, no matter if you're prosperous right now or if you're poor, no matter if you're healthy or you're unhealthy or pressured or you're totally released or employed or not, I'm telling you that your every day has the potential to be something that you walk around growing in God. Because once we feel like we don't grow in God, we lose hope. And we walk into this church going like this, well, I got to be here. Oh, I got to sing. And by the way, they tell me to stand now, so I stand. And I look, at, I'm coming after you today on this because I know that there is a giant majority of us in this building that are fatigued. And I'm telling you, we've gotten it all wrong. Okay? In the church world, there have become predetermined mile markers for success in God. Predetermined mile markers. Here's the do's that you have to do. You need to pray every day. Uh, is that a mile marker, right? But people think so much, Dave. Right? Oh, that's a mile marker. That, that, that shows spirituality. Um, you need to uh, come early to church. You need to read scripture. You need to memorize. You need to volunteer. You need to give. You need to wear your Sunday best. You need to hide your sin. And you need to neglect any negative feelings. Those are the things you must do. And when you're doing that, you have arrived with Jesus Christ. Those are the mile markers. Oh, there's some do nots too. You can't drink. You can't smoke. You can't do this. You can't do that. These are mile markers. And once we accomplish those things, what is there left in Christian faith? Lots more. The church has done you wrong. The church has done you wrong by putting mile markers out there that indicate your accomplishment in Jesus. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a what? Real rest. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Jesus said, hey, don't, don't be the light of the world. That's not what he said. He did say that. He did say, go and make disciples. There is some responsibility. I will tell you this. I do not, I do not believe Jesus Christ on earth or in heaven to be lazy. But I do tell you this. Being with him means he's the fuel rather than your own effort. Everybody with me today? What I call what we're doing right now in a lot of ways, and the reason why so many of you have plateaued, so many of you are sitting here literally right now frustrated, probably frustrated at me, right? Is you've gone through fake transformation. Fake transformation. Don't get me wrong, man. When the Spirit of God grips somebody and delivers somebody from alcoholism into a life where they are free and they're moving and they're active and they're serving the Lord in such a way, that is powerful. But I want you to know there is more to their life. That It doesn't end with that benchmark right there. Everybody with me? You guys bored already this morning. I, I, we got to get this. Because what's happening is, is we've, we've twisted it in our minds. Okay. Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. This is the verse before what we just read. It says this. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a law man so I could become God's man. Law man. There's some of us here that got to give up the fake transformation. 
There's some of us here that have walked in here today with a mask on. I'm talking about the proverbial mask that you put on when you walk into this church. Guys, to walk with Jesus, the kingdom of God is what? Love, joy, peace, in the Holy Ghost. It's about abiding. Let me, let me show you. Uh, this, is, this is what we see why Jesus kind of jumped on the Pharisees. Matthew chapter 23, verses 25 and 26. He said, hypocrites, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? For you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. As I said, we, we, we have to be careful here. Because instead of creating disciples, what we're creating, guys, is robots. And it's exhausting. And it's not long-lasting. The question is not this, are you acting like a Christian in certain settings? The question is, are you living as Jesus would within your daily activities? Are you perceiving with his eyes? Are you giving with his hands? Are you reacting with his heart? Are you feeling with his emotions? So, so to put this kind of just right close to home for you, for you to understand, the other day, and, and Chris, we did a video on this a few days ago. The other day on Tatum and, and Cactus Road over by the Chase Bank on the southwest corner there, there was a man out on the street corner and he had two dogs with him and he was begging. And it was me and my son on a Saturday, right? And we were in the right-hand lane, and he was super close to us. And, and I was zoned in, ready to go to Chick-fil-A, okay? Which is a terrible idea to get into that long line, by the way. That's just a personal thing, but anyway. And I look over to my right, and our windows are already down, and the man's there. And I just kind of just, like, just didn't have the time. Like, I knew that we should stop. I knew that it was, there was something in me, where, where, what, something in my heart that was drawing me to him. But I turned right and I started to go. And my son, I look over to him, my 12-year-old giant of a son. And he's got the biggest heart and he's always had the biggest heart for as long as, man, as long as he's been around. And he looks at me and he goes, Dad, we need to stop. I said, buddy, it's going to be okay. There's a lot of people, right, that will. He goes, no, Dad, you tell everybody to do that. Now we need to do that. And I'm like, oh, dang. <laughs> but, but that's not what I want you to get. Because then what I just really quickly did is I pulled in over by that Picasso's whatever quilting place. It's actually a store for quilting. <laughs> I can't believe it. Anyway, all right, here we go. <laughs> so I pulled in there and we pulled back out. And as we pulled back out, Calvin, I gave him some money. And Calvin looked at the guy. And Calvin's, you know, tearing up, I think, because of the dogs and all. And he says, God bless you and God loves you. Now, here's what's crazy. Then we drove away and went to Chick-fil-A. Here's the thing. I don't have a problem with that. I, I did the right thing. It, right? I, I did it. So I did what I was supposed to do. But, but I want to show you something. Hear this. Calvin wanted to. Like, I did it. Doop. Benchmark. I'm a Christian. But Calvin beat for the man. 
there was something going on with him, whether it was the morning Bible study that we had that I didn't think he listened to on Saturday or, or just the time that we've been spending talking about this season, right? There was something inside of him that was so connected. The Spirit of God bubbled up in a 12-year-old so much that he had to do it. He was compelled to do it. It gave him the greatest joy. I could take all, I promise you this, I could take away all of his gifts and say, son, this is what we're going to do. And he would have pleasure in that. Yet for me, the pastor, I just get to do it and say, yippee kire, I'm going to tell everybody about this. No. Mm -mm. This is why some of us, some of us have plateaued in our walk with the Lord. There was a difference between him and I. See, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where we skip over a lot of the beginning part, speaks so much to this, right? Because it talks about Paul's amazing accomplishments. Look at this. If I could speak all of the languages of the earth and of angels, let's not stop. Let's not go by that. If a dude could speak the languages of angels, would you not think he was an amazing person? I would. I'd be like, I want to hang out with this guy. But he didn't love others. I would be a noisy gong or a claiming cymbal. I've done this before. Imagine this. That's what that is when you don't do it from here. It's impressive. Boy, people want to flock all over you. I'm, I'm going to just change that. If I could preach the greatest sermons on the earth and everybody said amen all the time, but I didn't do it from a place of being in communion with Jesus Christ, I'm a clanging gong and you should leave this church. If I had the gift of prophecy, ooh, prophecy. Oh, I love it. Because it says what's going to happen, and then it happens. And there's a lot of power to it. But if I don't do it out of a communal space with Jesus Christ, then I'm doing it. I'm not anything. If I, what? Look at this next part. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. What's being sold to us as Christians right now and the reason why I think God actually prompted me for this during Christmas is for us just to stop, guys, and evaluate truly what we're doing. Because I think a lot of us have gotten it all wrong. Even from this pulpit, I've made mistakes of, 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 of not properly saying, do more. Instead, it comes out like, hey, do this, and if you don't, you're not with us. And that's on me. Do more. Give more. Right? Be powerful, get committed, get disciplined. Man, come on, discipline yourself. Get accountability partners and here's this. And I'm gonna tell you something. Some of us who have spiritual routines are fatigued in our spiritual routine because they're not supposed to be there for us anymore. They're supposed to grow. That's not to say that you're not supposed to wake up early and search for the Lord. But that must come from a period of something inside of you rather than something that you check off. Okay? And by the way, when you... Dude... I was talking to somebody who had a baby, and he comes into me, and he goes, well, he didn't have a baby, but his wife did, right? All right? And he comes in, and he goes, dude, I just haven't been able to wake up early anymore and, 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 and give my time to the Lord. And, and, he's, and he's, he's, he's literally burdened by that. He's like, hi. And I go, dude, the baby was up at 2 and at 4, and you're being supportive to your wife, and you're helping with one of the feedings. Now, some of you who are sitting there going, Oh, I can't believe you're giving them a, a pass. What I'm doing is I'm saying this. 
We are not made to check off boxes as Christians. There is not a spot for the early disciples. Do you think that that's what happened in, in the book of Acts? Where they walked around and said, oh, Peter, hey, listen, we got to stop everything because why? No, man, there was a flow of the spirit in them that said, guess what? My entire life is Christ. So whether I'm going to eat or whether I drink or whether I do anything, it's for the glory of God. That means when I'm writing checks out to my customers, that means when I'm ringing up somebody, that means when I'm working at the car wash, that means when I'm out on the, uh, putting up Christmas lights, that means when I'm eating a good meal, that's me. that means, listen, that means when I'm making love to my wife. Oh my gosh, no, it is. You have the ability as believers to actually take everything that you do and say and speak and it comes from inside because you have been with Jesus Christ, not for Jesus Christ. We've gotten it all wrong. What I'm proposing today is this idea of just being. Look, this is so crazy, man, this, this next verse out of Hebrews. And man, to really go over the whole context of it, you'd have to understand what the writer of Hebrews is trying to do about Jesus being basically the ultimate sacrifice. But in verse 4, he talks about how God provides this supernatural rest. I want you to see this. It's, it's really unique. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to rest. Make effort to rest. To, to be, to, to just be with the Lord, not try for the Lord, to rest with God. That means peace with him. That means freedom, just to be in step with him. Look at this in John 15, 5. This is so cool. We, we've, we've gone over this a lot of times, but I want, to, I want you to see it. John 15, 5. I'm the vine, Jesus says. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You, you can't try as a branch to bear fruit. It's an organic thing that happens by being connected to the vine. Right? The orange tree doesn't go, the branch goes, hey, buddy, I got more, more, more than you. Uh-huh. No. It's connected to the vine. The vine is producing the fruit in the branch. Right, guys? For, so for some of you who I've talked to, man, and I, I mean, you know, I talk to you guys during the week. And you're going, bro, brother, just pray for me, man. I, I can't do this anymore. And I want to just go, man, are you abiding in the vine? Or are you compartmentalizing things and saying, here now is the time where I spend with you. And it's so dedicated. Man, the heart is so there. But then the rest of the time you go, okay, now I'm putting that right there on this shelf. And now I've got to go to what's urgent and what I have to do. And I have to take care of the blessings that God's given me. Hold on, God. Let me. And you are ripped apart because of that. You don't know it. But at the end of the day, you're going, where did I go wrong? Where you went wrong is you stopped abiding. What's the branch doing in this? The branch is doing whatever the vine's doing. 
Because the vine is providing for, motivating, and dictating everything. We are not fruit producers by our accomplishments. We are abiding and we're living. So let me throw this out to you then. If you are feeling pressured, if you're feeling pressured for good works, and if it's not joyful for you, then it's not God. Well, what are you doing, Jay? Are you just saying we can just do whatever we want? No, I'm, I'm saying you need to take a pivot and go back to going, because I'll tell you right then, it'll come natural for you. And I have never in my entire life, I can honestly tell you, I have never, not, never met not one single person that is consistently bearing fruit and is in abiding in the vine that is not fully, listen, fully fulfilled. I've never met a person who is producing good fruits because they are actually abiding in the vine. They're always fulfilled. They're always motivated. They're always joyful. Have you ever been around those people before? Aren't they annoying, right? Like, what's wrong with you? Why do you ever stop? And they just go, man, I'm just doing me. They're not being jerks. They are, but they're not being jerks, right? <laughs> what, they're, what they're saying is, this is who I am. And so what happens is, if for some of us, we're trying. We're disciplining joy. I'm going to be joyful. What? I'm going to be peaceful. What, dude? You're, how about stop and rest and abide in the vine and see what happens? Okay? Oh, yeah. I better say this. Seasons of lull and of wilderness, of challenge, of rain, of feeling left behind and outside, those are going to come. I, 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 I'm not trying to be flipping here. I'm not praying for coronavirus to go away. What I'm praying for is to abide in the vine in the midst of it. Because you know what? There'll be another coronavirus. It may look like someone you know that gets ill. It may look like a car accident. It may look like you have made a mistake and now you owe the government more money than you thought. <gasps> but but the, isn't it amazing, those that abide in the vine, they just constantly get hit all the time and they're just steady. They're just there. Why? Because they're, they're not, it's not effort-based. Okay? I want to read this really, really long passage of Scripture. And uh, I want you to drink it in. I can't even preach it. It's, it'll be taking way too much time. But I just want you to, to get it. It will, it will change you if you allow it. Go ahead, Galatians chapter 5. My counsel is this. Guys, look at me real quick. I want you to take this, and I want you to breathe this in. This is not me preaching. This is the word of God. Okay, this is big. Live freely, animated, and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of the selfishness. I'm going to read that again because that is ridiculously amazing. 
my counsel is this, live freely, freely animated, motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are, right? I don't even want to try that word. So that you can't live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? Keep going. Is it obvious? It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of communities. I could go on. We will go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, that's the key. You can choose that. That's what he's saying here. If you use your freedom this way, you'll not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. Much like the same way the fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things. Uh-oh. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Um, legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good. It's crucified. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implication in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each one of us is an original. Man, dude, I love that. Man-made religious tools cannot produce this. A 40-day fast cannot produce this. Showing up here Thursday night can't produce, it can't. You can't strong-arm God into freedom. You're a branch. You're not a vine. You can't, you can't manipulate God into getting fruit to come out of you. It comes when there's a genuine surrender. Okay? You're getting the point, I can tell. Only way I know how to say it is like catching a wave. Every year we go to Myrtle Beach got this boogie board 
Some of you that have served, there's a couple in here that served. To catch a wave, man, I remember when I tried surfing. I sucked. <laughs> I was terrible. And you know what? I wore myself out. He was there. He just laughed on the, on the, on the shore, right? Yeah, videotaped me. Thank you, right? Why? Because I tried so hard. I tried so hard to do everything that I heard to do. But here's how you really catch a wave. First step, you pay attention. You look for the wave. Second thing, look the analogy work for you. You get ready. The third is you actually be in the wave. And the fourth, watch, is you relax. Doesn't that sound like a cool life? It's the life that God wants for us. Closing with this, your soul is thirsty. I'm telling you guys that your soul, my soul is thirsty. And it's not thirsty for more playing church. I am not thirsty for that. I don't even like that. My soul is not thirsty to journal every morning and, and then fall asleep while I'm journaling. I get calls at three in the morning from people that are doing that organically. And that's a beautiful thing. But when you have a 12-year-old and a 7-year-old, <laughs> you can't do that. What, what I'm saying is we're in different... You remember when I drew, put up six different people? How it looks for you to abide in Christ is going to look different than how it looks for Lenny. By the way, aspects of our life that seem challenging, I believe that those things, when you leave a storm, you always enter into another one. Because that right there, the testing of our faith produces something in us called patience, calls perfection. So get out of your mind that you're going to walk into a place where there's never going to be a storm for you to have this. You can't have perfection for you to be part of abiding in the vine. I encourage you to do it the opposite way. Abide in the vine so that the vine sustains you during the storm. Everybody with me? Okay, let's, let's finish. Then. Mick, come on up. He gets all of you. And when he gets all of you, that's when you start to develop supernatural fruit. That's when you drive down Tatum Road and you look at the person and your heart breaks and you don't understand it. That, that's what happens. So last week, Mick sang a song called Make Room. I've been listening to the song all week long, man. We've been listening to it when we were cleaning the church. We, we just, I've been vibing on this song. In the middle of the song, it says, break down the walls of all my tradition. And then I think it says it again, break down the walls of all my religion. That has to happen today. A couple things that I will say as Mick gets prepared is I believe there are people in this room right now that have never experienced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today is your day. You are not here by accident. You know that, that thing that right now is working in you where you're feeling uh, just a little bit of a tug? Don't be afraid of that. That's the Spirit of God prompting you to come and give your heart and life forever. Secondly, I believe that there are people in here that are massively fatigued by checking the boxes of Christianity. And I want to pray a prayer of refreshment over you. Now, here's how it's going to work today when I pray over you. 
I'm going to ask you to repent of that mindset. What does repent mean? It means turn. Did anybody ever know you don't have to ask the Lord for forgiveness? What do you mean? Forgiveness has already been purchased for you. You have to receive forgiveness. Everybody hear me there, right? Like, let's not get bound by uh, what people want to say. Forgiveness has already been given to you eternally forever for past sins, for present sins, and for future sins. You just have to receive them. What is called of you, though, is repentance. Repentance is this, a turn from that. And so what I want Nick to do is I want him to sing this song, and I want today to pray over those in this room that have really been fatigued. I have this dream and this belief and what I've been praying for all week long is that God actually today will set 